I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. If you had to learn how to work remotely during the pandemic, think back to all the adjustments you had to make in the early days. Sure, maybe the switch to athleisure wear was a welcome change, but all the Zooming, the boring at-home lunches, and the monotony of a singular routine might have gotten old for you. Many people were desperate for a change of scenery, and one state provided a very tempting offer. You might remember these headlines. Well, hang loose and stay a while. That's what Hawaiian officials are hoping for by offering home offices with a beach view. If you're working from home right now, hey, why not do it in Hawaii? The state is launching a temporary residency program, which includes free round trip tickets to Oahu. Well, they're looking for out of state remote workers who want to live and work there while contributing to Hawaii's economy. Hundreds of San Francisco residents answered that call. They were among the large influx of remote nomads who fled the mainland for the Hawaiian Islands during the pandemic. A program called Movers and Shakas provided remote workers airplane tickets in exchange for working from Hawaii and volunteering with local nonprofits and organizations. It seemed like a win-win. Hawaii got a boost to its economy, while remote workers got all the benefits of the island life. But there were costs. A Hawaiian local and TikToker named Sierra explains it. First of all, I'm sure when you hear the word Hawaii, oh, I'm sorry, Hawaii, you probably think of a white sand beach with palm trees swaying or something. That's really not it. Hawaii is so much more than that. And the fact that people are moving here and advertising it as like a vacation or like, oh, yeah, we moved to Hawaii and blah, blah, blah. No, no, don't do that. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Chase D. Felici Antonio joins me to talk about the impact of remote workers moving to Hawaii. He's been spending some time reporting in the state. What were the benefits of the program? How do locals feel about it? And what does it say about the larger ways that remote work reshaped economics and communities? Chase D. Felici Antonio, thanks for being on Fifth Emission. Happy to be here. So, Chase, a lot of remote workers from the mainland moved to Hawaii during the early stages of the pandemic. Why were some leaders in the state encouraging that? Well, I think it was really this delicate balance, especially early on in the pandemic. Uh, Hawaii's case counts because it's such a remote place, weren't as significant as other parts of the country or the world. And so some leaders didn't want people to come down there. A lot of the tourism was, was shut down, but at the same time, once things moved along, vaccines got out, there was a real economic effect because tourism wasn't happening as much at that point as it had been. So there was this desire to bring some remote workers in uh, who could live there, uh, spend some money from the jobs that they were still working elsewhere remotely and help the economy kind of get back on track. So Movers and Shakas was kind of one of the marquee programs that did this. The idea was you could apply, they would pay for your flight to go to Hawaii you would uh, hold on to your job that you're working on the mainland or elsewhere, but then you would also spend your free time working with other members of what's called your cohort. So in this case, it was about 50 other people. Uh, you would do community service projects. You would have a nonprofit or an organization uh, on one of the islands that you were working with, kind of using your professional skills to help out. And in the meantime, again, kind of influxing a bit of that cash into the economy that was, uh, that was really needed at the time. And what kind of nonprofits were attached to Movers and Shakas? Uh, it was really a wide range. One group I spoke to was called North Shore Economic Vitality Partnership. They worked with small Hawaiian farmers on the island of Oahu and elsewhere to get their food safety certification so that they could get their products into the wider market. So some of the 
remote workers are able to help groups like that with their fundraising and marketing efforts to kind of build them up uh, while they were there also working their uh, regular jobs remotely. Hmm. So how many people took advantage of opportunities like this? How big was this influx of remote workers to Hawaii? Yeah, so it is a good question. For movers and shakas, there were two rounds of remote workers, about 50 people in each. But there were other people that obviously came and moved to Hawaii permanently. Some people bought second homes who had the cash to do that. It's honestly difficult to say exactly how many people moved there during the pandemic or spent time working remotely there. We do know from tax data that it was just from San Francisco to Hawaii alone, it was hundreds of people who made that move, who filed their taxes kind of before the pandemic in uh, San Francisco County and then somewhere in Hawaii after 2019. So it, it was significant. It's hard to say exactly, but it was a lot of people and there were a lot of different ways that people did it either permanently or temporarily, what have you. And what were the demographics of the people moving there? Are we talking about young professionals, people with families, people from certain types of industries? You know, it was definitely a lot of young professionals, single people. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit easier to do that because you don't have to pack up your entire family. A lot of people in the technology industry in particular, especially on the executive side, who really didn't have to be anywhere in particular, and frankly, nowadays still don't in some cases, uh, picked up and went to Hawaii as well. But it was a wide variety of people as long as they had that uh, remote work capability. So aside from the obvious benefit of moving to a really beautiful location, why were remote workers compelled to make that move? I think part of the reason was that uh, one woman I spoke to, uh, Jamie Schilling, when she first applied for Movers and Shakas, uh, the remote working program, she was living in Seattle. It was kind of the earliest part of the pandemic. Vaccines were just getting out. And places like Seattle and San Francisco, very expensive to be renting there or to be owning a home there. And I think for some people, there was this question of you're living in a city, but you're not really able to do anything there uh, during certain parts of COVID. So being able to repurpose that money somewhere else to go somewhere that's physically beautiful, see something new, and then, you know, obviously do a little good in the community, maybe work for a nonprofit or people did things like restoring Hawaiian fish ponds uh, after work and with members of their cohort. So to have those experiences and have a new group of people to, to spend time with and kind of fight off some of that isolation of the pandemic, I think was, was really attractive. So Chase, we can't ignore how Hawaiian natives and locals have long had a complicated relationship with tourism and outsiders coming onto the islands. I've seen social media callouts by locals urging tourists to stop coming because of the negative impacts on the environment and the culture. How were remote workers received by locals? I think, again, it's something of a mixed bag. Talking to some of the remote workers in particular, they had very positive experiences. They were there with the best of intentions, doing restoration work, working with nonprofits. But I think at the same time, I spoke to uh, locals and people who are in local government here, and there is certainly a, a hard edge against certain people who come to Hawaii and aren't respectful of the place, aren't respectful of the history and the culture and traditions there. You know, it's difficult to speak for over a million people who live in the Hawaiian Islands, but I think it really, a lot of it comes down to uh, people's intentions and whether they come here being mindful of the history of the place and that it's someone's home, or if they come here uh, to Hawaii, kind of treating it like a theme park instead. I think that really does make a very big difference when you uh, talk to, uh, to locals and people who live in Hawaii. 
More with Chase DeFelici Antonio after a quick break. How did the arrival of remote workers to Hawaii affect housing prices for locals? Chase will explain. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm back with Chase DeFelici Antonio. Chase, Hawaii suffers from a housing crisis like the Bay Area. How did the influx of remote workers change the real estate market over there? Right. So I think like in the Bay Area, where people kind of move to some of the outer lying uh, suburbs or less crowded places uh, for more space, particularly during the pandemic, uh, people did some of the same thing from the Bay Area into Hawaii. And especially for higher end housing, of which there is a fair amount here that's the most profitable to build for developers, that did increase prices. Uh, Median prices went up. uh, If you compare this July in 2022, to July of 2021, that's for single family homes and condos. And you know that has an effect on people who do live here who already struggle to kind of get by and just rent, let alone own housing. Speaking to real estate agents talked about people were just buying houses sight unseen for in some cases a few hundred thousand dollars over the asking price just to, to lock it down. And that really makes a difference uh, to price out um, local people. So programs like Movers and Shakas were also pretty acutely aware of the housing issues that existed on Hawaii even before the pandemic. They took some flack during their first remote uh, worker cohort uh, because people were essentially just renting condos or or homes or finding housing wherever they could. The second go-round of the remote worker cohort group actually bought out a block of hotel rooms at a local hotel. Uh, The people in the cohort still pay for the hotels, but that way they weren't competing with locals on the same housing market. And it was also a way to uh, help out a hotel that was probably not getting a lot of business during that part of the pandemic when when tourism was still really slow. And in some cases, uh, also local people, because prices were, were being surged so much, they took the opportunity and they maybe sold a long time holding a, a family home, something like that, because they knew that the market was so high that they could move somewhere else, uh, maybe on the mainland. They, a lot of people I talked to joked about uh, Las Vegas being the ninth Hawaiian island. A lot of uh, people who leave the Hawaiian islands go there because of the housing prices there. So it made a difference on uh, across the spectrum. So a lot of these remote workers were tech workers. And now that companies like Google, Tesla are asking their workers to return to the office, will the housing market in Hawaii restabilize? So it's difficult to say like exactly how many of those kinds of remote workers, you know, that were singularly responsible for increasing housing prices. They were definitely part of the equation, no doubt. And then being called back certainly is going to make a difference and, and has already. I, I think what's, you know, an interesting part of this picture as well is that the housing market here has cooled somewhat from that really uh, crazy surge late last year or uh, early 2022. But because interest rates have increased, the Fed has raised interest rates to try to slow down inflation. Um, that's also made mortgages more expensive. And that has had a bit of a cooling effect on uh, the Hawaiian housing market as well. So it's a trend that's happening here, but it's also happening across the United States. So even with remote work now waning, there is still some desire to draw people to move and work on the islands. Why? And how has a program that you mentioned like Movers and Shakas pivoted? 
Yeah, so this is really interesting. I mean, as you mentioned, a lot of tech companies and other companies in, in general are asking people to come back maybe one, two, three times a week, if not full time in the office. So Movers and Shockers has changed their model because there really just aren't enough remote workers to do those cohorts like they were doing before. Instead, they're focusing on people who are moving to Hawaii for work, particularly skilled people, doctors, technologists, that kind of thing. They want to train those people, give them a more cultural understanding, and kind of prepare them for living in a place that's really different and really unique. So th that includes workshops, uh, historical teachings. The idea there is they want people to not only come, but to stay. So Hawaii, historically, a lot of people who are uh, from uh, Honolulu or from the islands, they'll leave once they get an education, in a lot of cases, to the mainland and that's to seek greater economic opportunities. So getting skilled people to come to the Hawaiian Islands uh, to kind of put down roots, to become part of the community, to integrate and to stay is kind of more of the focus of the Movers and Shakas program going forward. So it sounds a little bit like, Chase, that this is also an effort to diversify the type of industries in Hawaii so that it's not just about tourism. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's definitely part of it. You know, Hawaii, again, like San Francisco in, in some ways, has historically been very, very reliant on the tourism industry. It's been a really big economic engine, but something like pandemic really does show you that when your main economic engine slows down or stops, it can have these uh, really damaging effects, not just on people's profits, but on people's jobs and their lives and their livelihoods. So there really is a uh, real concerted effort to get people who are uh, working in a variety of industries, who are skilled people to come and to stay. Chase, thanks so much. I appreciate you sharing your reporting with me. Thanks for having me. Chase DeFelici Antonio covers tech culture and labor for The Chronicle. His story about remote work in Hawaii is online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Big thanks to Gary Baca for editing this episode and to you for listening.